The American economic environment has drastically changed since the 70s, and we now live in a world of material desire. Almost anything imaginable is available to purchase, and many of our patients choose to buy frivolities instead of spending their money wisely. How can understanding psychology help us to help them? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, Director of Foothill Psychiatry in Boise, Idaho, your host. And with me today is Dr. Stuart Vise. Dr. Vise is Professor of Psychology at Connecticut College in New London, Connecticut. He won the William James Book Award for his last book, Believing in Magic, The Psychology of Superstition. He's an expert on irrational behavior. Welcome to ReachMD, Dr. Vise. Thanks for having me. In your latest book, Going Broke, Why Americans Can't Hold On to Your Money, you discuss the psychology of wanting. Fill us in on that. Well, we are always confronted with things that we can purchase, and the desire for those things is kindled by advertising and the emotional feelings that have been attached to a product, as well as looking around us and seeing other people doing those things. If we see that others have this thing and they look like they're enjoying it or that it looks like it's typical now for people to use this thing, uh, an iPod or a phone or anything of that nature, then we are going to want it. We're often going to think, well, we should have that as well. Right. And isn't it much different today for kids and adolescents? I know my 11-year-old daughter insists that everyone has a cell phone in the fifth grade, and she really needs one. I'm unclear when want became need. Well, a lot of it has to do with just that, the idea that you see everyone else doing it, and therefore it must be a need, it must be a necessity. It's amazing how technology has this effect of ratcheting up what is a need. Things that we never imagined we could even have, we now have to have. It's the case that now 73% of Americans believe that home air conditioning is a necessity. And I think probably every 11-year-old girl thinks that a cell phone (laughs) is a necessity, as you're experiencing. And, of course, it's not really. A cell phone is not a necessity, but we do tend to as a culture, adopt technology, figure out ways to use it, and then in many cases feel suddenly as though we need to have it. We can't live without it. I think a lot of that can be reexamined, and you don't want your child to feel ostracized, but at the same time, they can be taught to recognize that not every single thing they want is really a need. It's a want. It's a desire, but not something they have to have. How do you suggest we talk to our children and our adolescents and our patients about the impact and the exposure of advertising? Well, I think that one of the things that can be done is to teach children in particular that there is a purpose to advertising, that The purpose is to get you to buy things. And there are some, by the way, some interesting websites that teach children how to sort of figure out what's going on in an advertisement and how they're trying to suggest that you buy this thing. And once kids know that there's a purpose to advertising, that it's there to try to get you to buy something, they can look at it a little bit more rationally and recognize that, well, maybe I shouldn't be fooled by this. Maybe I should avoid that temptation and and not do it. The other thing I think that's important for kids is merely to limit their exposure to it. They are exposed to a lot of advertising on the television and online. Kids are spending so much time online now that by setting up a schedule for the amount of time they're on the Internet rather than letting them do it willy-nilly, 
that you can limit their exposure to images that are going to create the desire for things. That's interesting to me because as parents, we think, oh, well, you know, for kids watch PBS, maybe that's acceptable television. But I know you talked in the book and certainly any of us with kids know that Barney and Thomas the Tank Engine and the Wiggles and all these PBS program, you know, icons come with a whole, you know, raft of marketing spin-offs. Right. Yeah, absolutely. They do. You know, at least they're not selling candy or, you know, unhealthy kinds of things. But at the same time, it's true. It's very difficult to get away from the branding and commercial images that come with television, even PBS. And so therefore, limiting it entirely is probably a safer way to go. And and it leads to less sedentary activities on part of kids. I mean, the idea of getting the television in particular insists that you be sitting still in order to watch it. And other activities, of course, would be much better for kids. Now, what about mall culture? That seems to be a primary uh, recreational event for our adolescents in this culture. Right. And a dangerous one. I think that in the sense that that is a place where spending is supposed to take place, it ties entertainment to the transfer of funds, which I think is really unfortunate. It reinforces the sort of commercial world that we live in where the marketplace, stores, objects, clothes, things become expressions of our culture. And to me, that's a dangerous thing. It's going to be something that is going to get people into debt. And it also, I think, is ultimately not a very satisfying thing. Children need other social spaces where they can get together other than at the mall and should be encouraged to be involved in activities that take them out of the marketplace, as far as I'm concerned. I think that's very important. Sports, other kinds of activities that are less commercial in which children can achieve and gain pleasure from that achievement rather than simply gain pleasure from buying things. If you're new to our channel, you're listening to ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is Professor Stuart Vise. We are discussing a new ways of wanting the psychology behind spending and debt. Dr. Wise, it seems to me one of the other things about the whole mall culture is the necessity of having something with a brand name, so having Nike shoes or Abercrombie clothes, and kids seem particularly vulnerable to that. They do. You know, teenage years are years of social comparison in which they are looking to see how they compare to other kids and how they match up, and there are cliques, and you can be in or out, and so on. And unfortunately, we live in an extremely branded world. It's almost impossible to, you know, let your eyes fall on a spot without a brand showing up. And that means that you can make lots of judgments about people simply on the basis of the brands they're displaying on their body. So this is a difficult thing for kids. It's undoubtedly going to lead to wanting more things, spending more money. And I think it's also a potentially stressful way to live. It's going to take talking to kids and engaging them differently so that they're not constantly falling into the trap of being judged by what they wear. And I think that teaching children that the brand is not important, what's important is the product and them, you know, not even the product, but what's important is the person inside. Other techniques for how we can help our children and our patients navigate through all of these landmines so that they don't go broke? Well, 
the United States is a very commercial world right now, and one in which people are spending too much and saving too little. I think that many patients that people are seeing are undoubtedly, among other problems, carrying a lot of stress about paying their bills. And working with them or at least suggesting that they begin to save money in simple ways, that they look seriously at their balance sheet and work at living within their means. These are simple ideas, but they've gone sort of out of fashion. I'm thinking that now with the economic problems that we're experiencing for the moment, that there may be a pulling back and people may begin to use credit less and save more. But these are issues that underlie a lot of problems, you know, marital problems, work problems, and so on, often are affected seriously by the stress of not knowing how to pay your bills. And uh, I think we need to address it much more directly. Is it helpful at all? One of the things that makes me just pull my hair out is patients who say, oh, I couldn't possibly afford, you know, fill in the blank, my medicine, healthy food, exercise, whatever. But you see them doing things like smoking and going to Starbucks every day. Um, Any techniques on how to help people understand that the 3 and $5 that they spend several times a day really does add up into significant money? Well, other than saying that, the other part of it is to teach them that they are making impulsive decisions. In other words, that there are ways to take it slower, don't always automatically make that decision to go buy something in a drive through window, but that instead they should think seriously about cooking at home, forms of entertainment that are less expensive and are at at home and don't require going out to the mall. I think we also have to look at gambling. This is something that a number of people are doing and is extremely costly. The most important thing might be just simply going, talking about where is their money going, what are they doing with it, and so on. And you can, I think, in many cases get people to accept the idea that some of their money is going in the wrong direction and and that they are, in fact, spending too much on things that they think are necessities or are understandable, but that add up to a big problem with that. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. We've been talking with Dr. Stuart Vise about his book, Going Broke, Why Americans Can't Hold On to Their Money. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your questions and comments, so please visit us at ReachMD.com. Our on-demand and podcast features allow you to access our entire program library on the Internet for free. (laughs) Thank you for listening.